Welcome to Health Matters at Sargent College. The mission of Sargent College is to advance, preserve, disseminate, and apply knowledge in the health and rehabilitation sciences. BU's Sargent College strives to create an environment that fosters critical and innovative thinking to best serve the healthcare needs of society. Each episode of Health Matters at Sargent College will include faculty, students, or alumni who will share their knowledge with you. I'm Karen Jacobs, the Associate Dean of Digital Learning and Innovation at Sargent College, and I'll be your moderator for each episode. Welcome to this episode of Health Matters at BU Sargent College. I am thrilled to have Caitlin Jones as our guest on this episode. So Caitlin, could you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background, and then we'll talk about what you've been doing. Sure. Thanks, Karen. It's so great to be here. My name is Caitlin Jones. I am an occupational therapist by background but I'm currently working as an accessibility program manager over in Xbox on their gaming accessibility team. Okay, here's where I'm going to share my age. My kids all have Xbox, but for people who don't know what Xbox is, could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, for sure. So Xbox is a gaming system. It's pretty popular these days and it essentially allows anyone to buy an xbox device and place it wherever they'd like connect it to a tv and they have access to thousands and thousands of different video games that are out there so they can play with friends play you know just by themselves there's a lot of different opportunities that come with it so it sounds great and i i actually did know what it was but i i was trying to just have you explain it <laughs> I don't want to embarrass my children by acting like I don't know what it is, but what I'd like to ask you is, how did you get involved in this? Yeah, it's kind of a, I like to refer to it as a serendipitous experience, I think, but back when I was actually in high school, my dad, who was a mechanical engineer, he had quite a few friends who were veterans and they had recently come home from being overseas in combat and had lost limbs and suffered some pretty severe injuries that basically kept them from being able to use a standard Xbox controller to be able to play video games. And for a lot of them, video games was just a huge, huge occupation for them. They did it, you know, to de-stress in their downtime while deployed. They were able to play online with their friends and family back home and reconnect with them. So to kind of come home and be going through this really rough rehabilitation just due to their injury, plus not be able to engage in something that was so meaningful like video games was very devastating to them. So my dad, using his engineering background, kind of just started hacking together these custom controllers that, you know, sometimes buttons would be placed by the person's head or their feet or, you know, they would use their mouth to operate different types of buttons and controls. So despite not having, you know, one or both arms or hands, 
these veterans could still play video games and, and play with their friends and things like that. And I just really, really fell in love with the work that my dad was doing. He was lucky enough to connect with the occupational therapists over at Walter Reed National Military Medical Center in Bethesda, Maryland. And again, I was, you know, a little high schooler at the time and he brought me out on site and I actually saw some OTs working with some of the veterans there. They were learning how to prepare a meal and feed themselves with their new prosthetics. And I just, you know, was like, I, I want to do OT. This is exactly what I want to do. So, you know, I applied for OT schools and one thing led to another and I graduated from the University of Scranton with my occupational therapy master's degree. And during that time, we still continued. So my dad's work eventually turned into a, a full-on nonprofit called Warfighter Engaged. So we've been creating these custom adapted controllers for veterans since 2012. So just about 10 years now. And someone from Xbox slash Microsoft just happened to see our nonprofit's social media Twitter page. And they saw that we were basically, you know, cracking open multiple Xbox controllers and hardwiring buttons and things out of them to, you know, basically do a, a ton of work just to create a single con custom controller for one person. So they connected with us, wanted to know what they could do to help scale the work because there's obviously way more people with disabilities that need this than just, you know, the small handful of veterans that the two of us could physically help. And they kind of brought us out to Microsoft campus. We participated in an event called a hackathon. So at Microsoft, one week every year, all employees get to take the week off from their day job and essentially work on a passion project of their choice. And we were able to consult with them on a project that ultimately years later would become the Xbox Adaptive Controller that was released in May of 2018. And long story, you know, finally coming to an end is through all of those opportunities and being able to speak face to face with the folks over on the Microsoft and Xbox accessibility teams, we were really able to advocate for the fact that occupational therapists and our unique skill sets and backgrounds could really play a huge role when it comes to creating more accessible products off the shelf, especially in the technology space. So lucky for me, uh, they eventually ended up offering me a job. So I picked up and moved out to Washington State about three years ago now. I love this story. <laughs> um, and it's so great that you were inspired in high school by your dad and what he was doing. He must feel so proud of you following in his footsteps and, and in, in some ways forging a path that's opened up for occupational therapists and others to help people with challenges. Yeah, he's got such a big heart, so I'm just uh, happy to do good on that and, and keep following up with the work that he started. That's wonderful. I hope I get to meet your dad someday. Yeah, for sure. So the other thing that I wanted to, to ask you is you were just at the American Occupational Therapy Association conference and you had a, a booth, right? Wasn't there a display that you were at? And maybe you can talk about what that was about. Yeah, we did. We had uh, our nonprofit, Warfighter Engaged, had our own booth in the exhibitor hall. 
this is actually, I think, the third year, not in a row, but just third in general, that we've participated in the AOTA conference. And we kind of just set out a bunch of different demo devices, so different types of adapted buttons and joysticks and things like that, that we commonly make for the players with disabilities that we serve. And our goal is kind of multifold. So our, our nonprofit will provide veterans free custom equipment, you know, just because they're veterans and we're happy to do that free of charge. And then we also work with civilians as well. We, you know, provide those at pretty much at cost that it takes to make it because we just, you know, we want everybody to get back into gaming and be able to participate in that. And so the goal with our booth at AOTA is one, there's typically a pretty big population of OTs who work with veterans and in VA hospitals and things like that. So to just give them visibility that our organization exists, we want to help if they have clients or patients that are veteran gamers and need something custom adapted to, you know, please come and, and connect with us. And then the second part is really just connecting with all of the OTs and OT students there in general of the fact that, you know, gaming is such a huge, huge piece of modern day culture. And, you know, as our current population of gamers grows older and disability is inevitable, you know, among all of us, some of us just be others to it in terms of, you know, when we might acquire a disability that interferes with being able to play games, you know, as an occupational therapy profession, we really need to be familiar with these technologies and make sure that our clients can engage either from a leisure perspective or, you know, actually using gaming as a therapeutic modality. So yeah, it's, it's mostly a visibility, visibility and education thing that we have there. So we enjoy it every year. Well, I, I just think it's, it's fabulous. And what you're doing is so important to so many people. Thanks. You're in the Boston University Post-Professional Doctorate in Occupational Therapy Program, and shortly you'll be defending your doctoral work, your intervention. And I was hoping you could share a little bit about what you have been working on. Yeah, I'd be happy to. It's been a really great couple of years that, you know, we've all been putting this work together. And the main focus of my thesis and intervention is really exploring the current barriers that a lot of OTs face when it comes to wanting to adopt gaming into their practice. Obviously, technology in general, especially gaming technologies, is a really emerging and and newer field. So as a new OT, as a student, or even an OT with any level of experience who sees gaming, maybe they have some clients who say that they're interested in it, but they're just not really sure where to start they typically experience a lot of barriers in terms of, you know, the amount of cost that it requires to get in all the gaming equipment, the games, the adaptive equipment and things like that, as well as the training aspect of it. You know, if you're not a gamer and you don't know how to set up all of these different settings, the accessibility menus, as well as the physical hardware itself, you know, where do you actually place a button around somebody's body so that they can access it and have, you know, do repeated button presses and be comfortable throughout their gameplay session. And then on top of that, you know, training that is specifically for occupational therapists and how they could use games as a modality 
to promote functional outcomes, repetitive movements and things like that. It could be really hard to just from scratch, try to bring that into your practice and have a a decent amount of expertise around it. So my thesis was focusing on those primary barriers of things like cost to acquire the equipment, training to actually know how to use it, tackling things like getting manager and peer support as you're trying to use gaming, you know, within your your clinic or the environment that you work in, as well as documentation and insurance reimbursement and things like that. So my research focused on those primary barriers that often prevent OTs from being able to readily adopt gaming into their practice, and then creating an intervention plan that basically consists of a partnership between uh, large gaming technology companies such as Xbox and OT practitioners and programs in which, you know, Xbox were to provide gaming kits and hardware equipment and games to OTs. This way cost is no longer the barrier. Create a a different, you know, modules that actually train the OTs how to use the gaming equipment, everything from basic setup to, you know, actually creating a therapeutic intervention setup. And then in return, the Xbox um, executives and user researchers could easily gather feedback from the OTs and from the players on how they could make their products more accessible. And essentially just spin up a program where these barriers are eliminated to see if that is an effective route in getting more practitioners to be able to adopt gaming if they want to. Well, it's exciting. And we're actually going to be recording your presentation. So if people who are listening to this episode of Health Matters would be interested in getting the recording, we'll be happy to share that with them too. So I have one last question to ask you is, you know, what's next and what's your why? You know, what is inspiring you? I think I I really love the role that I'm in right now over in Microsoft and Xbox. It was definitely very hard kind of accepting that I don't get to work hands-on with clients anymore and just, you know, see them progress day-to-day, session-to-session and kind of have that gratification of making an immediate difference in someone's life. So I've kind of synthesized that and accepted it and realized that instead in my role over in Xbox, that even though it might take a year or so to release a single accessible product or feature, you know, at the end of the day, if that can enable thousands of players with disabilities to play with their friends or their family or just engage in this aspect of modern culture, then, you know, that's probably way more clients than I could individually treat throughout my career anyway. So I'm just really excited to continue to pursue the career path that I'm in right now, continue to make a difference in terms of accessibility at, you know, the industry and technology level, and hope that all of this work really starts to trickle down into other areas and, you know, just build up other OTs and the fact that we could really play a a really important role in non-traditional, non-clinical spaces in terms of just creating more accessible products and environments for everyone around us. I love that. And actually, I'm going to ask one last question. (laughs) People who are listening to this may say, how do I break into this too? What can they do to, you know, follow in your footsteps? Yeah, I get that question a lot, which is awesome. 
I think the main piece of feedback that I usually give is at the end of the day, our OT background really sets us apart. It's unique and it's super meaningful. But when we are going into other spaces, we still need to have the technical skills and base level knowledge that that industry or position is looking for. So, you know, if you want to get into a user research position at a tech company, you might also want to do some user research courses or, you know, we can't expect to come in with just our OT resumes and clinical experience alone and be hired into a completely different role. But instead, if we can, you know, fit ourselves into that space, do some of the extra exploration and coursework so we could meet that company's needs for the job itself and then position ourselves as the ideal candidate because we also have this really super rich background and experience working directly with people with disabilities. You know, we are going to be such better candidates than just somebody who, you know, technically knows how to do user research, but doesn't actually have any accessibility or disability experience. So I usually try to say, you know, do do your homework, get involved, volunteer in different types of organizations or efforts that are in the area that you're looking to go to, and then get really good and confident about how you could pitch yourself during interviews to the way that your OT background is just invaluable to that company if they were to hire you. I love that. So really knowing how to pitch yourself and being confident in explaining what is occupational therapy and how it really can make a difference in people's lives and what you can do to contribute to the development of new equipment tools and just even a vision. So Caitlin, thank you so much for being on Health Matters. I'm so happy that you are graduating from Boston University. Welcome to being a BU Terrier. And I look forward to watching your career continue to unfold. Thanks so much, Karen. It was really great to be here today. 